Are Are you Are you here? Yes, and thank you for joining the Paul Leslie Hour for another episode. What's in store for you this time around? It's an interview from the archives with Miss Deborah McCall. The Kindred Spirit was a folk trio featuring Deborah McCall, Tom Tollerson, and Phil Rolston. Deborah McCall today is a psychotherapist. She's also a singer-songwriter and a guitarist. Now, many people know McCall as the original Reeferette, meaning, yes, from 1978 to 1981. Deborah McCall was the first backup vocalist for Jimmy Buffett's Coral Reefer Band, and she appeared on five of his albums and co-wrote two of his songs. As a recording artist, she's released her solo album, Naked in the Garden. This interview with Deborah McCall was recorded the night before the 40th anniversary reunion concert of the Kindred Spirit Folk Trio. Keep in mind, the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by people just like you. Please keep listening. It helps us. And if you'd like to put a little something in the tip jar, what well, you just visit thepaulleslie.com slash support. And we thank you. I think I speak for everyone when I say it's time we all listen to the Deborah McCall interview. This is the final interview into our look at the Kindred Spirit Folk Trio. It's my pleasure to welcome singer, songwriter, guitarist, Miss Deborah McCall. Hey, Paul. Thank you so much for making the time to do this. I feel this is a bit of serendipity because for all the listeners out there, I've been corresponding off and on occasionally with her for a few years now. And here she is playing at a venue that's literally walking distance of my house. So I'm very pleased that this has happened. That was so great. <laughs> you said that, yeah. Tell us about how music started for you. Oh, gosh. Well, I kind of had the typical early piano lessons and so forth, which was good. That gave me a good foundation. But when I was 13, 14, folk music was really happening, and I started playing guitar. And my first boyfriend was a really good guitar player, Devon. Devon Bogue was his name. And he taught me a lot, and we started playing together. And I, back then, we had this really it dates me. We had hoot nannies back then. <laughs> we had music jam sessions. That was just a great. Like we still do. I still today do have music night every once a month. But I started playing when I was that young, and then it's a long story. <laughs> you want to hear the whole thing? <laughs> if you're if you're willing to tell us, we'll be um, listening. <laughs> Actually, there's a song on my CD called Little Pearl that kind of tells the story of of what happened in my life and, and my family when I was a teenager. And when my family just kind of fell apart, I ended up living in Montgomery, Alabama with my mother and stepfather, and it was not a good situation. When I was 15, I got up one morning and packed my suitcase and went out and hitchhiked 
to Atlanta. I don't advise anyone to do that today, <laughs> but I can't believe I actually did that back then. And I hitchhiked to Atlanta, and I found an old high school friend, and he took me to this carriage house in Ansley Park that was a communal dwelling of a bunch of folks. And Tom Tollerson lived there, and Phil Rolston was hanging around, and a bunch of other musicians and a bunch of us hippies. And it was a real savior for me when I walked into that door. You know, it was like I had a family, a real family for the first time, or the first time in many years. We started singing together, and really sort of before... We knew it. We were playing Atlanta clubs and getting a great response. And so this was the very, very first group. The Kindred Spirit was mm-hmm. the first the first group that you were a part mm-hmm. of. Before you were in the group, do you remember any singers or bands that really made a burn? Well, I really, I sounded like a little Joan Baez because I listened to a lot of Joan Baez. And Bob Dylan and Joan Baez and Buffy St. Marie were really happening. And then... Then Joni Mitchell later. Probably Joan Baez was, you know, who I modeled myself after back then. And, of course, years have passed since then, and I've had a lot of other influences. I love Joan. Yeah. And I love Joni Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. When you guys met, that is, Phil and Tom, it was as if you guys, a part of you felt like you were meant to be together. Did you get that feeling like this this trio was, was meant to happen? Yeah, well, I'm sure we felt that way. At the time, I certainly feel that way now, looking back. But yeah, we were very, we were idealistic in a lovely, lovely way. You know, it was it was so authentic, and we really, we were on a mission <laughs> that wasn't just about music. It really was about preaching the message of peace and harmony and love. In our own ways, we're still doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing that after 40 years that this concert's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking about Simon and Garfunkel stuff. I, I mean, I was telling them that the song Old Friends yeah. kind of reminded me of you guys because that's what you are, your friends. And and, and we're old. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, what has it been like for you reuniting with these guys? It's been great. Well, I I came, they probably told you how this all started with our friend Bob Pearl, who sent us the CD. And so the first time I came back, I came to rehearse with them not quite a year ago. I think it was in the summer last year, 07. And it was pretty amazing. They picked me up at the airport and it was just like, we just picked up like from the other day and it had been 20 years since we'd seen each other. And it's hilarious. Our, our interpersonal dynamics are exactly the same. It's really, really funny and really sweet. We just get along great. And now singing all these little songs together is fabulous. And new songs. And they're putting harmonies on my songs like nobody else could. Somehow we still have the blend that we used to have. Those little neural pathways are still ingrained. It's very sweet. It's very sweet, beyond beyond words, really. I wanted to talk about your solo album. Mm-hmm. There's one song in particular that I really like, and that's The Poet. Oh. I like that song, so I was hoping you could tell us about it. Hardly anyone picks that song. Is that I, I love that song. Well, it's kind of a 
an unrequited love song about a man I was dating at the time. I honestly, I really, I don't know what to say about that song. It just kind of was one of those songs that kind of just flowed out emotionally. It wasn't as much written as it was notated. <laughs> so we'll have to let the song speak for itself. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And that's the wonderful thing about songs. Someone else can hear it and they can get an entirely different message yeah. from it. But what about the title track, Naked in the Garden? Naked in the Garden, I really like those lyrics. That song, that song is about that epiphanous moment that we sometimes have when we have a crisis or right after a near-death experience or something that makes life extremely vivid for us and it's usually facing our mortality. It's, it's about these epiphanous moments in, um, in three different scenarios and I don't know how much to say about it, but it's really, it's about just becoming suddenly very present in your, in your life when you realize how precious it is. And that you're basically, that you don't have total control, that you're basically vulnerable and open. And that that's a very powerful and beautiful place to be. Wow. Since you guys have been so honest, I'll tell you that when I just, when I first started uh, listening to your album, I was at a point in my life where I was really just at my very lowest. Really? And your background, I wanted to know, because I found it to be so, do you think that music is therapeutic? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It saved my life. It saved my life. Yeah. I feel the same way, really. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, yes. And I mean, you know, I'm a psychotherapist now in Los Angeles and have been for 20 years. and. I have a creative process group that I've been doing on Saturdays in my office for years now. And, and music and art and writing all opens our, it, it opens our hearts and allows us to let love in and let love out. And, you know, it's, it's a channel for healing and expression. Yeah. Still heals me. I wrote a song, my partner who had been with for 15 years, Patrick, who's playing guitar all over Naked in the Garden. I don't know if I told you this, but he just passed away last September. It's been really hard. But before he died, he was sitting on the couch playing the guitar, and he started playing this little riff, and I started playing it along with him. And I wrote a couple of lines, and he passed away a week later. And within that week after he died, I finished the song, and it's called Into the Breathless. And we'll, we'll be performing that at this concert. It's not, and it'll be on my next recording, whenever that is. But it's, it's my grief song, and it's, it was very healing to write it. You know, and it's kind of amazing that it was co-written with him, part when he was alive and part after he was gone. You couldn't really say completely that the kindred spirit ever really broke up, because all these years later, you guys are still together. Yeah. So you guys kind of took sabbaticals. That's that? right. Really long sabbaticals. <laughs> but initially, just for my curiosity, mm-hmm. how did you guys, when did it stop? When it was 72, right? I 71? I think 71. And it's very blurry to me. I'm, I'm, I, I don't have a great memory. They remember better than I do. But, yeah, I think it was 71. But, you know, when, when you're young, 
two years seems like a really long time. And I think we all together had about a two-year, a little over a two-year career together. But it was a lifetime because it was when we were so young. And it was also the era was a very ripe, rich, supercharged time between 68 and 70. It made an impression. Yeah, it all these years later. Yeah. Still crazy after all these years. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, after the Kindred Spirit, you became a part of the Coral Reefer Band. Tell me how you got hooked up with Jimmy and his reefers. Yeah, his reefers. <laughs> I was the original reeferette. <laughs> he reminds me of that, Deborah. You'll always be the original reeferette. <laughs> <laughs> well, after Kindred Spirit broke up, I had a rock band called Chakra after that, and then I had a folk rock band called Silver, Silverman. And then I played solo for several years after that. And one time when I was playing in my favorite Atlanta venue called Aunt Charlie's in Buckhead, Jimmy Margaritaville was had just hit. He was basking in the afterglow of his, his number one single. And he was playing a concert at the Fox Theater. And he and his road manager came down to hear me at the late set at Aunt Charlie's. See, now I have to back up. I had known him prior when I was playing with my band Silverman. He had hitchhiked up from Florida and did a guest set with us. And I don't even think I really remembered him or who he was. (laughs) He landed in the audience that night after his concert and said, hey, remember me, and asked me if I wanted to sing on his album. So I sang on Son of a Son of a Sailor. That was the first one I did. And then he asked me if I wanted to tour with him. And so I toured with him for almost four years and did six albums, I think, five or six albums, my favorite of which was Volcano. That was just so much fun to record. And it was insane. You know, it was it was crazy, crazy days, and I lived to tell the tale. <laughs> it was the best news. <laughs> but we really had fun. He was pretty wild back then, wasn't he? We were we were wilder than he was. Really? But yeah, somebody had to stay in charge. Yeah. Craig yeah, Taylor has told me some stories <laughs> that could not be recorded. Yeah, really, fingers. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. But I wanted to to ask about one of the songs you co-wrote with him. A very great song, I think, called Incommunicado. Oh, you like Incommunicado? Yeah. Nice literary references in it, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you remember writing that song? Yeah, I, he was kind enough to just invite me to to co-write both Sins and Incommunicado. And we were on the road, and he just said, I'm working on this song, and I'm kind of stuck. You know, we just sat in the motel room, the hotel room, and worked out the lyrics. Tomorrow night and Saturday night, everybody is going to get to hear this music, and I just have this feeling. I've had a feeling, I've been excited about this all week, <laughs> I just have this feeling that it's going to be one of those concerts that you really remember. Uh, well, it'll sure be one that we remember. <laughs> and I know it's going to be, it's going to be a high vibration <laughs> couple of nights because we have friends coming in from all over the country. And it's kind of our, our old social group from 69, 70, 71, descending upon Winder, Georgia. <laughs> That's a real testament to the power of music, because you guys were in the band, of course, and you're going to remember it, but all these people listening, it's burned them, too. Yeah. On all these years later, they're going to get to hear this music. That's right. So what do you hope people walk away from this, these two nights, thinking? 
I think, I mean, it, it, for us, it's the sense of the power of community and music and love among old friends and new friends, just the power of, of human connection and human bonds. And I think it will remind us all that we have, we have family in the world. We sat down last night and we picked up one of our best old friends at the airport last night. She's one of the first to, to get here of the crew. And we sat around at Tom's house and sang Uncle John's Band, which we've never performed that song, but we, that was our sing along, you know, song at, at whatever commune we were living in at the time. <laughs> and it just, we might end up doing that on stage. It just has, I hope you it's do. such a great song and it, it's, captures the spirit. I hope you guys can work it in because I, I like that we song. Like it, yeah. My last question, the wonderful thing about technology is that it's connecting us so much, much more. We have this, this wonderful thing. I think it's a wonderful thing, the internet, where people can talk to each other from all around the world. And that's the wonderful thing about this program. We can talk to people from all around the world. So my last question to you, given that this is going out all over the world, what would you like to say to the world? Lord, Paul. <laughs> Love thy neighbor as thyself. <laughs> the golden rule. The golden rule. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Well, thank you very much. I think that those, <laughs> it's very simple. We're taught it when we're very young. Sometimes we forget it, but it, it's it's something that, never change. Yeah. So thank you very much for taking the time to do this interview. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks, Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.